No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into His Hardline. Welcome. Glad to have you all here. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. This is the only place where you're going to get God and Jesus Christ mixed in with a little true history of America, mixed in with instructions on how to assemble your nation. We're here to implement solutions that will help restore this republic. But most importantly, we're also here to help America and the rest of the world to invite Jesus Christ into their heart. It's time to take back our nation. It's time to take back our world, ladies and gentlemen. And you can find us here six out of the seven days a week. So be sure to share this with your friends and family. Don't forget, don't forget. Sovereignty itself is, of course, not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. Welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Woo! <laughs> yeah! Let's get rocking. All right. morning wherever you're at in the world i am jason your co-host with god and jesus christ at my side why is that because they are the host they are in charge they are behind the wheel therefore they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life so welcome glad to have you all here it is wednesday december 28th 2022 just winding down to just a couple more days until we reach 2023 amen can't wait you are joined here with yours truly here at His Hard Line, and we are on episode 402. We're going to be doing a reading out of Isaiah again, and just for the record, there are 66 books in Isaiah. We are on book 36, chapter 36, I should say, and so we are going to be doing a reading on that, and then a little discussion, breakdown of the verses, and then we're going to have another little discussion regarding Satan's devices and how we avoid them, and just kind of we're going to discuss just exactly how real this spiritual war really is now um i'm trying to think of how i want to go about doing this because there's so much i want to share but again i'm trying to stay um very uh diligent here with my time i guess for starters let's uh get into some really good news uh assembly related okay so we got some assembly news going on here so the national assembly had just posted on their website another public notice that just went out. So if we all remember, the last state that just assembled was the state of Oregon, which, by the way, congratulations to all those fine men and women out there in the Northwest for assembling your state. And now 
we have, I wonder, hold on, do I have a drum roll? I wonder, do I have that? Do I have that? I don't. Oh, I do. I'm excited. You ready for this? Illinois has put out their official public notice for their assembly. That is exciting stuff because if you knew a little bit about how, uh, what the history was with Illinois and their assembly, they actually had their assembly and then they, well, unfortunately had some bad actors in there and uh, it completely fell apart, just completely fell apart and it never really regained uh, momentum from that. So happy to see Illinois as being the 16th state to be part of our assembly of states. Now, here's the question of the day. And I know Donna would probably appreciate this question. Who's going to be 17? Who's going to be the 17th state? Could it be Minnesota? Could it be Washington state? Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania? I don't know. It's anybody's guess, but we will find out because I'm telling you right now, folks, this stuff is happening faster than I think any of you realize. I think even more than I realize. Um, We're coming down to the wire. This is going to be very, very exciting to see how things are going to be taking place. Um, So yeah, I'm just super stoked for Illinois. So I just want to read a little bit of their public notice. And it says right here, this de jure grand jury finding of facts that the grievances brought. Hold on, let me zoom this in a little bit. Hold on, because this is a scanned copy of their. All right, there it is. <clears throat> the de jure grand jury finding of facts that the grievances brought before this grand jury on this day, December 17th, 2022, in a presentment of declaration by people assembled in Illinois state and find these grievances true and correct. Therefore, the grand jury finds that the people in Illinois shall assemble to reassemble a de jure constitutional republic. As far as the operations and functions of the de jure grand jury of the sovereign people of Illinois, a free and independent nation equal state. The grand jury is the oldest, most respected and powerful civil institutions of the United States of America. And whereas the concept of a grand jury dates all the way back to the Magna Carta in 1215 and was included in the constitutions of the free republics of Illinois and the United States of America Republic circa 1787 as a means for the people to re in to rein in elected government acting outside the limits of delegated power. And when a government appears to be committing criminal and unconstitutional acts, it can hardly be relied upon to bring charges and indictments against itself. It is therefore the duty and obligations of we, the people to utilize this first form of correcting the abuse of oppression of government that has turned corrupt and greedy to correct the conflict of interest of lawyers being the majority seated in all branches of government and thereby writing immunities, excuse me, immunities, I couldn't read there for a second, for their criminal acts. Therefore, we the people inhabiting the land of Illinois, a free and independent nation, equal state, free men and women convened under God, having been granted by the creator dominion over all the earth to protect and restore the blessing of liberty for ourselves and all the posterity do hereby invoke our sacred right to peacefully assemble as memorialized in the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America, circa 1776, the Articles of Confederation, circa 1781, and the Covenant of Michigan, circa 
2010, do hereby establish this de jure grand jury of the sovereign people of Illinois, a free and independent nation, equal state. This de jure grand jury existing by right, according to common law and lawful assemble, assembled on the free dry land of Illinois, a free and independent nation, equal state, is not a part of the de facto incorporated judicial system. It functions as an entirely separate and independent body according to the rights and powers granted by the Creator and vested in we the people by the Constitution for the United States of America circa 1787 as amended in 1791. Now that, my friends, is exciting news. So happy for Illinois. So happy for Oregon. Don't want to diminish what Oregon did because, I, to be fair, I never did read that um, um <clears throat> excuse me, that public notice. And maybe I will actually on another show. But congratulations to both those two recent states for being the 15th and 16th assembly assembled states. That is amazing. And so exciting because that shows me that there are more and more people realizing that this is the only way we fix this system. In fact, excuse me, let me reword my words, not fix this system. This is the only way we write this ship by getting rid of the old corrupt system and by implementing a true God led system by we the people. And I tell you what, it's, it's just so, I'm so glad to see this happen. It's just amazing news. So congratulations again, Illinois, really, really happy for you. Um, Oh man, for the sake of time, I'm just going to skip reading. Um, well, let me see here. There was something I wanted to read. So in the gateway pun, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Some things real quick. Uh, let's see here. Headlines, 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 Biden economy, pending home sales drop 38%, largest annual drop ever. Gee, I wonder why. Um, let's see here. Oh, oh, that no surprise here. Globalist assemble speaking of assemblies, right? Uh, it's not a good lawful assembly, but Zelensky says that Ukraine will attend the World Economic Forum meeting in January. Well, no kidding. Did anybody guess that that wouldn't happen? Uh, let's see here. What else? Buffalo store owner opens fire on looters as they flee down an alley during the worst snowstorm in 50 years. Yet we need to, somebody in the chat, maybe when we get the prayers, don't let me forget to include Buffalo, New York in um in our prayers because they have had been dealing with some of the craziest stuff i mean so many people dead looters i mean it's ugh, i just feel so bad what they're going through over there so we need to keep buffalo in our prayers um let's see what else we got here um Zelensky agrees to continue using blackrock to invest ukraine funds okay let's see here back to southwest airlines travel hell another 2500 flights canceled now luggage is lost well again if you're going to travel in the winter you should kind of probably expect these kind of mishaps. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be flying sometime in January and I'm not really too excited for it, but it's really the only time I can do it. And so we're going to see if I get to deal with that shared hell with all the other travelers. All right. Um, again, let me see here. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much here. Yeah, so, all right, we're going to get out of Gateway Pundit here. So that's just some basic headlines. Oh, here is one I did want to read. This was kind of stupid and interesting at the same time. So can't, apparently Tom Brady admitted in a video that his ex-wife Giselle is a literal witch. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because 
this seems to be a trend that seems to be very, very uh, popular. And when I say popular, not in a good way, not like popular for me, but popular with a lot of women specifically. I am noticing more people engaging in the dark arts of witchcraft. And I wish I was kidding when I say that because one of my wife's former friends, she doesn't really talk with her anymore, but she, okay, so I just don't understand with this, with this girl because she's such a sweet girl, but she, you know, she's a Trump, she was a Trump girl, conservative. She was waking up to all the nonsense and the evil that was going on, right? And she has two little girls, sweet little girls. They get along great with my daughter. Um, and just, I don't know, ever since she moved into this other neighborhood that's kind of behind our subdivision, I don't know if it's the neighbor ladies that she became friends with or what, but all of a sudden her taste and her style started changing into a lot of black. Now, don't get me wrong. Black, black can be nice for accents, right? Accent, black walls, accent, trim, black trim, right? But everything this girl and her husband are doing is black everything. And not only that, she is literally like she went with three other neighbor ladies to Salem to go shop and to visit all the witch uh, tourist attraction traps that you can think of over there in Salem, Massachusetts, I guess. I don't know where that's at, but yeah. And then for Christmas, get this for Christmas, she ends up getting, because uh, my wife showed me the picture of this. She goes, guess what? And I'm going to keep her name out, but she's like, guess what so-and-so bought her daughters for Christmas? I'm like, I'm like, well, A, I don't really care. And B, what? You know, because I just, I don't, I don't care for drama in other people's lives. I really don't. But she showed me a picture of what looked like a witch's kettle for kids. And you put water in it. And it steams. And it looks like it is boiling like a witch's brew kettle and then something grows inside of it. It's really bizarre. And you can definitely tell her it's like, it, it's like a, a kid's witchcraft for beginners kind of toy set. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Thanks, Oscar. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Every time I do that, I always end up slipping and saying the name. Anyway, he says, reminder, don't accidentally say her name anyway. <laughs> Touche, man. Touche. Absolutely. I, I I appreciate the reminder on that because I can be fleety like that. <laughs> so stupid. Oh man. But I do I do appreciate that reminder because I actually do need that reminder. Um, but yeah, it just it just goes to show you just a level of evil that's going around. And I'm not saying anybody <clears throat> I don't know. I just I don't I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. So I guess, you know, and there's a lot of people out there. I mean, you look at all these elites out there, EOs and these billionaires and how they affiliate with themselves with Maria Bramovich, I believe is what her name is, a spirit cooker. I mean, she, that's the ultimate witch right there. I mean, Hillary Clinton associated with this woman and probably learned how to do little spirit cooking rituals and whatever else they do. I don't know what they do. I don't want to know because quite frankly, I don't want my soul and my mind tainted with whatever nonsense they do. But it's really scary because like I said, I was at a uh, Sam's Club a few months ago and I just happened to be scrolling past their uh, strolling past their uh, magazine rack. And literally for the first time in a long time, 
I, uh, or for, yeah, for the first time ever, I actually saw a magazine that a couple of magazines that were dedicated to witchery and witchcraft. I was like, what? I was like, no way. I mean, this is a trend that seems to be growing. And, and, and why is that? Well, I mean, if we look up in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary real quick, hold on, let me type in witch, witch. Let's see what this says. Witch, a woman who by compact with the devil practices sorcery or enchantment. Definition two, a woman who is given two unlawful arts. And definition three, a winding sinuous bank. Those are three definitions of which, but the first one being a woman who by compact with the devil practices sorcery and enchantment. Sorry, but I kind of don't want anybody like that around my circle. Not that I really even have a circle because I'm a pretty independent individual. I don't really like to have large groups of friends, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, it seems to be a trend. It seems to be a trend. And yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Good good catch on that. Unlawful Arts by Oscar. He was just putting this in the chat board. Pretty, pretty broad, no pun intended. Yeah. If you can't tell by that second definition, that's what it said. A woman who is given to unlawful arts. Hmm. I tell you, these Satanists, they are really out in full force and in our face. And before we get into any further discussion, let's get into, um, let's get into, <laughs> Destry says he's got one that lives about 450 miles south of him. I think I know who you're talking about. I think I did a podcast on her and some of the blood oaths that she take, she took. Oh, you know what? I did want to cover this too before we get into the reading. So remember back in 2019, so this is really interesting. So, so Donna Brandenburg, she posted on her, uh, on her telegram, it was actually, yeah, on her telegram. And, um, the post says the hundred largest companies in the world seem to be experiencing a catastrophic loss. Good. Good news for the world. All should be hit with antitrust suits, decentralization and end their monopolies. Many have set up regulatory cartels to keep out only those who pay homage to the globalist puppet masters in their quest to own the world. Now, even with sinking market values across the sector in 2022, tech remains dominant. Among the world's biggest companies, 20 are in tech, spanning a combined market value of $9.2 trillion. For perspective, that's about 31% of the market value of the 100 largest companies. I really believe we are seeing a systematic destruction of this system. I mean, it can't just all, you know, blow up at one time. It just, it, you're going to have mad chaos if that actually happened, but we can see that with the supply chain issues. We can see that with, um, as CEO step down, we could see that with Hollywood losing hundreds of billions of dollars in, in, in profit or whatever. I read from yesterday between Netflix and Hollywood and whatever else good, let them all go bankrupt because they're all evil Satanist anyways. And I want to kind of direct your attention real quick, because before the whole COVID scam came about, I thought this was very interesting. And my wife pointed this out, and I wanted to point, I wanted to bring this forward and discuss it for a quick second before we get into the reading. But back in 2019, I don't know if you guys remember, but 
like, yeah, we make a big deal over, you know, Jack Dorsey stepping down for Twitter and some of these CEOs and executives from like big news agencies like CNN and, and some of these big news anchors stepping down and, you know, like we're hearing of like these moves, right. Of these big high profile names stepping down from their seats, right. Um, like what's his face with Amazon Bezos, right. And I think we all have an idea what, what that's all about. Okay. Quite frankly, I think they're all Git mode. That's just me speaking and thinking, which by the way, I want to make sure everybody knows that anything I say on this show, I just want any, I want everybody to realize it's a little disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I am not an investment advisor. And remember anything that I do say for the most part is opinion. And if it's fact, I try to source it. Okay. And if I speak about anything regarding the assemblies, just know I am not the official mouthpiece for the assembly because the assembly is made up of a body politic of people. We, the people. So just FYI. And also when I read the Bible, I want everybody to know I'm not a priest or ordained minister or a pastor or anything like that. Okay. I'm just a truck driver. I haul gas doing my best to get closer to Christ each and every day while helping my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ reach the same level of intimacy that I have reached and still reaching for. So I just wanted to put that little disclaimer out there for all of you. But what I wanted to say this, this was interesting. Now, back in 2019, we had the most CEO departures on record with more than 1,600 stepping down and resigning. To be exact, we had a staggering 1,640 CEOs that left their post in 2019, which is the highest year on record since um, what was it since the, uh, since 2008 before the, uh, you know, when, when that whole financial crisis took place, that's a lot of CEOs. And I guess what, that was one, my company that I work for. He was one of them. I'm not going to say which company and which CEO, but yeah, the CEO for the company I work for was one of them. I find that very, very interesting. Makes me wonder why. Now, I know CEOs change out a lot, but this particular CEO for the company I work for had been a CEO for us and worked for the company for many, many years. All of a sudden, right before COVID happens, the scam, we have over 1,600 CEOs resign their post. Why? What did they know? Or what did they do? Were they engaged in unlawful activities and crimes against humanity and they were taken out? I mean, one can only speculate. So I don't know. I just find it very interesting. So I just wanted to kind of bring that forward for a moment. I was just thinking about that today. I was like, gee, I wonder if those CEOs that resigned had anything to do with what we're seeing today. Because again, that was back at a time before I was even fully awakened to what was really going on. Just a little food for thought. Just figured I'd kind of point that out. Thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, let's get into the reading though. So we are going to be reading Isaiah chapter 36. <clears throat> we got 22 verses here. And I'm reading out of the New American Bible, Revised Edition today, not the NASB. I am reading out of the N-A-B-R-E, the New American Bible, Revised Edition. That's my personal favorite. Everybody has their favorites, N-I-V, E-S-V, so on and so forth. New Living Translation, whatever, right? 
All right. So this has to do with the invasion of Sennacherib. Hopefully I pronounced that right. So, and it reads, starting with verse one, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, went up against all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. From Lachish, the king of Assyria, sent his commander with a great army to King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Now, when he stopped at the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the Fuller's Field, there came out to him the master of the palace, Elaikim, son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, the scribe, and the chancellor, Joah, son of Asaph. The commander said to him, Tell Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you base this trust of yours? Do you think mere words substitute for strategy and might in war? In whom then do you place your trust that you rebel against me? Do you trust in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it? That is what Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is to all who trust in him. Or do you say to me, it is the in the Lord our God we trust? Is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, commanding Judah and Jerusalem, worship before this altar? Now make a wager with my Lord, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses, and if you are able to put riders on them, how then can you turn back even a captain, one of the least servants of my Lord, trusting as you do in Egypt for chariots and horses? Did I come up to destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself said to me, go up and destroy that land. Then Eliakim and Shebna and Joah said to the commander, please speak to your servants in Aramaic. We understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within ear of the people who are on the wall. But the commander replied, was it not to your Lord and to you that my Lord sent me to speak these words? Was it not rather to those sitting on the wall who, with you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stepped forward and cried out in a loud voice in a language of Judah. Listen to the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot rescue you. And do not let Hezekiah induce you to trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely rescue us, and this city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Ezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me and surrender to me. Eat, each of you, from your vine, each from your own fig tree. Drink water, each from your own well, until I arrive and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Ezekiah seduce you by saying, the Lord will rescue us. Has any of the gods of the nations rescued his land from the power of a king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Seraphim? Where are the gods of Samaria? Have they saved Samaria from my power? Who among all the gods of these lands ever rescued their land from my power? That the Lord should save Jerusalem from my power. But they remained silent and did not answer at all, for the king's command was, Do not answer him. Then the master of the palace, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, Shebna, the scribe, and the chancellor, Joah, son of Asaph, came to Ezekiel with their garments torn and reported to him the words of the commander. And that is Isaiah chapter 36, verses 1 through 22.
So, the scriptures take a break from prophecy to cover a little bit of historical events with Hezekiah, king of Judah. And as we kind of look at today's lessons, it kind of covers the Assyrians railing against God and attempt to make God's people afraid and lose faith. Almost kind of makes me think that's kind of what they're doing today by ratcheting up the witchcraftery and the witchery and the satanic references and TV shows that we're seeing out there like Lucifer on Netflix. They're trying to create Lucifer in a, in a certain light while trying to diminish God and Jesus and trying to make you lose faith in the divine creator, our heavenly father. And so we got to look at Satan's faces here. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's, Paul says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And that's chapter 2, verse 11, in case you're wanting to reference it. And so in today's scripture, we see two of these devices. Number one, Satan tries to make us doubt that God will follow through with his promises. That's number one. And so when the Holy Temple was first built, Solomon prayed that God would hear his children if they had repented of their sins and deliver them from invading armies. And God responded audibly to Solomon and promised that he would do as King as Solomon asked. Now the Assyrian is ignoring this promise and trying to make the Jew think about the strength of his army rather than about God. So we see that Satan wants to make us doubt God's faithfulness by keeping our mind on physical problems. problems. Now the second device is one where Satan tries to belittle God. And so the Assyrian claims that the Lord is just like other gods. Now this is, of course, a lie. There's no doubt about that. But no other being or sculpture that has been called a god, lowercase g, god, has ever been able to deliver its worshipers from trouble. If anything, it gets you in more trouble. But the Lord brought the ten plagues on Egypt and parted the Red Sea for his people. And so the Lord had predicted with 100% accuracy the future before it happened. And the Lord has physically shown himself on Mount Sinai by a pillar of fire and a cloud of the desert and by a cloud of glory in the holy temple. And let's not forget in physical form to Abraham and as Jesus Christ. There's no other God that has ever done anything close to that. Let's be clear about that. And better yet, these facts about God can be proven. Like, for example, just dive to the bottom of the Red Sea. Nonetheless, Satan has people convinced that the Lord is no better than the false gods who we all acknowledge, at least subconsciously, are not real. And just because, like, Buddha, for example, can't deliver Buddhists from trouble doesn't mean that the Lord cannot deliver his believers because he, unlike Buddha, is alive. So when Satan tries to tell you that God will not live up to his promises or that God is unable to fulfill his promises, you just think about all the miracles that God has done and how powerful and how real that he is. Just do as the Jews of Hezekiah's day did. Ignore the message of Satan and go to the living God for help. That's all there is to it. By Felicia, by Satan. Your words are of no power here. You do not have authority over me or my people. We have authority over you. Because Jesus said we have the power to tread on snakes and scorpions. You do not have authority over us. 
So let's break this down real quick, verse by verse. So in verses 1 through 2, now the Rabshakeh is not a proper name, but a title meaning chief of the captain, uh, captains. Now this person was the head of the Assyrian army, and probably second in command to the king himself. Now Sennacherib was sending his best to defeat Jerusalem, just as Satan sends his best to try to destroy the believer. And so in response to the army, Hezekiah sends his top three officials to parley. And when troubles and trials come, one should be prepared to greet the problems to assess the situation. But it does no good to go run and hide at the first sign of trouble. Now, as we go through four verses four through 10, the Assyrian speech takes on three stages. First, he tries to convince the Jews that they are trusting in the wrong things. Then he promises rewards to them if they surrender. And then in verse 10, he concludes that the declaration that he is on a divine mission supported by the Jews God. And this is just like the devil. He wants to make one doubt, then promise rewards, and then finally declares that his way is the right way, which of course is a lie. See how this works? So the Assyrian betrays his true intent on two fronts, but first he believes that all the groves and altars in high places were altars to God, and these were actually spots of idolatry that Hezekiah had removed. Now the Jews had been in idolatry so long that the countries around them thought the idols were their gods, and so if Assyrian, if this Assyrian had known the true God, then he would have known that God wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth and reject all graven images. And so those who are lost misunderstand how to worship God. Kneeling at an altar and having elders pray over someone or being baptized does no good without faith. God, in my opinion, is not interested in the external worship of things, but in the internal worship of of the heart. Now, second, the Assyrian makes the claim that God has sent him against the Jews. Now, while God does promise judgment on his people, if one neglects him, he promises blessings and safety trust in him. And so Ezekiel and all of Judah had turned from their idolatry, and God will not destroy the repentant soul. Now, just a few chapters back that we read within the last few days, God made it clear that the righteous can have assurance and confidence forever. But Satan tries to make one doubt that God will uphold this promise. He'll try to say to us, are you really saved? God will still punish you for that sin from years before. Well, here's the thing. The truth is, when God forgives an individual, one has a fresh start. The sin from before the sins from before are forgiven, and one has passed from wrath to salvation. And anyone who says that God will punish one for something that he has already forgiven is straight up lying to you. And so the three delegates are afraid people will believe the Assyrians lie, and they want to stop the people from hearing his word. In the face of lies, one is to rebuke the liar by stating the truth, and the delegates, probably not wanting to start the battle right then and there, gave in to fear and answered with a meekness that reveals a sense of defeat. They do they did not trust their own people to have faith in God. So sad. And so as we look at verses 12 through 20, lies are always exposed. The Assyrian now shows his filthiness and vulgarity. And so in defiance, the Assyrian shouts even louder, making a big scene. And we got to remember, evil loves to make a ruckus. 
In his second speech, the Assyrian accuses God's chosen king of lying and even worse, blasphemes God. And so the Assyrian fully exposes his lack of knowledge of God by comparing him to other gods. But there is only one living God, only one who can actually do something. Moloch, Balaam, Buddha, they're all empty statues to which people prey upon. These lowercase little g-gods cannot in any way intervene in a person's life to help one, like the divine creator, our heavenly father and uh, God. They can't bring back someone back to life. They can't heal one from cancer. They can't even wake one up in the morning with the breath of life. So all of the, so through all of the speech is simply an attack on God. Saying that, well, he's useless as these other false gods. Now, in the Assyrians' eyes, Hezekiah is leading the people with false promises from a non-existent God. Now, he could not have been farther from the truth, but his words are the same tactics that are still used today. Satan tries to convince believers that one has heard false promises from a non-existent God, and he will even try to change the character of God, reducing him to a human or saying that not all of his word is accurate. One needs to change his words because they are not applicable to today's standards. Don't be fooled by such lies. And so despite Hezekiah's delegates, lack of faith in their you know fellow Jews, the people respond correctly to the Assyrians' lies. They hold their peace when Satan throws lies in one's face. Ignore them. They are just lies. That's very, very key here, ladies and gentlemen. I want to point that out. The Assyrians... When they, when they, they, when <laughs> what they ended up doing is they just, they held their peace. They ignored it. They knew better. Last verse. So although they responded correctly with silence, these men are still grieved by what they heard. It does not bother them so much what has been said against Ezekiel. But it was the uh, blaspheming against God that bothered them. And as a Christian, I mean, we all know that there are certain words and behaviors which grieve one's spirit. And this is normal. A holy God is grieved by the lies and sins of the world, and his righteousness cries for justice and compassion to be found throughout all the earth. But instead, evil and abuse abounds. And so when one's heart is lined up with God's, one will share God's grief at the state of the world. Tell you what, we definitely see those same lies being spewed out today. Which brings me to the next part of the segment here I want to discuss. So we'll be back in just a few seconds. I'm going to take a quick little break.
definitely like having that little break. It gives me a little chance to get a sip of water and um, quench my thirst here. <clears throat> so after just reading Isaiah chapter 36 and kind of looking at the devices that Satan uses against his, you know, against us, it kind of brings me up to these three. I'm going to play uh, three um, audio pieces here. The first one is why are they mocking Jesus and pedestalizing Satan by making people think he is a light? Let's give this a listen. Why is it that we get commercials, we get different movies where they're trying to make Satan look good? Then on that same TV, they want to come out and mock Jesus Christ. They want to keep showing us things that mock Jesus Christ, that put Jesus in a light that Jesus is not. And then they want to show us things where they put Lucifer in a light that he is not. Why do they do this is the question. They're slowly planting seeds in your mind. Now, let me be the first to tell you, this is not how Lucifer looks or how Lucifer comes to you. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, in no marvel for Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. So Lucifer is not going to come to you as a red devil with horns on his head. He's going to come to you as an angel of light. And listen, we got many religions out here that started because they thought an angel came to them. But we know in Galatians 1.8, it says, even if an angel comes to you and preaches a different gospel than the one in the Holy Scriptures, let that angel be cursed. So if anyone comes to you and teaches you a different doctrine than the one in the Bible, it was the devil. I don't care what religion you're in. I don't care what you're believing. Satan does not come like this. He comes as an angel of light. He's going to come as love is love. He's going to come as let's put emotions over facts. They even got a show on Netflix called Lucifer where this man plays Lucifer. And in the show, he's not a bad guy. So what they're doing here is subconsciously brainwashing an audience to think that Lucifer is a good person. Now, isn't that funny? They'll subconsciously plant seeds and brainwash us with things like this about Lucifer and things like this about Lucifer. Then they'll go and subconsciously plant seeds and brainwash us with things like this about Yeshua. How disrespectful can you get? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. It's time to stop just watching things and start observing things. It's time for us to stop listening to things and start learning things. Study to show yourself approved, the word of God says. My people perish because of lack of knowledge, the word of God says. Stop watching stuff that disrespects your Lord. Stop coming into agreement with things that's disrespecting Yeshua. I'm not one of these people who are just going to sit back and say, oh, you know, you know, no. Those days are over. It's time to be trumpets for God. It's time to be a true remnant in the true army of the Lord. Look at this mockery. Look at this mockery. Look at this mockery. People, these aren't Christians. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian, your actions show that you're a Christian. Those who obey my commandments love me. This is compromise and trying to come into agreement with people's emotions. This is not Yeshua. You got to ask yourself, why do they mock the Bible? Why do they try to change scripture? Because at the end of the day, it's a spiritual war and the evil spirits know who to attack and know what to try to pervert. That's right. They know what to attack and what to pervert. And one of the main things they like to attack is the family. Because a strong family 
can withstand any spiritual attack if it's a strong family. I know we've all heard that saying, a family that prays together stays together. There is, I believe, a lot of truth in that. <clears throat> but Satan, you know, a, a family that doesn't pray, though, together, even in some of your most basic forms, like, you know, right before eating dinner or in like bedtime prayers, right? Just in general, just little prayers. You don't do even just half that. I mean, you're you're just allowing the cracks of the armor to continuously get bigger and allows Satan to get in. In fact, you know, one thing that my wife is doing that I am totally on board with, I told her, I'm like, whatever you want to do, go ahead. You know, as far as, so she's, we're, we're, she's purging the house before we get into the new year. She's purging the house of anything that does not bring her joy or any, you know, happiness, right? Like fill her up spiritually in her heart, right? Anything that seems not good is either going to be thrown away or sold. She goes, is there anything that you don't want me to touch? Or I'm like, no, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I really don't care. I'm like, just don't get rid of the guns and leave the silver alone. <laughs> I don't care about anything else, really. I've completely detached myself from any of this. So I told her, I'm like, if there's something that feels dark and heavy, get rid of it. I don't have an attachment to any of this crap. Don't care. Get rid of it. And so, but Satan likes to go after the family. He likes to attack the nuclear family because a, a strong family not only creates a strong church of God and a strong faith in God and becomes a bright light for a, a, a we the people, not just in America, but around the world. A strong family creates a strong country, a nation, a strong community. Now, I've talked about this at great length in the past, and I like to have my buddy Aaron back on the air with the ministry, Line in the Sand, where he helps men with pornography. But I came across this video today. It's called A Spirit Spouse and How a Spirit Spouse Can Destroy a Marriage. Give this a listen to. Now, this was interesting. This was interesting, and this makes total sense. Now, some of you might hear it and might be like, nah, I'm not really believing. But you listen, as somebody who engaged in and in, in consumed that filth, what this girl says in this video seems pretty true. Give this a quick listen to, and then I got one more audio piece after this. Let's talk about spirit spouses today. Ladies, if you are in a relationship and your man is actively watching corn, lusting after other women in photos or in real life, I want to explain to you why over time you begin to be tormented, why over time you begin to be bitter, you begin to let yourself go, you don't care about yourself anymore, you begin to have this hatred toward him, um, you just begin to not be the person that you used to be. And men, if you want to go ahead and continue to listen to this too, this may explain to you why you married this beautiful, wonderful woman, you may have participated in continuing in watching corn, and she completely changed over time. I'm going to tell you why today. Because when you watch 
corn or participate in sexual immorality, you are opening the door to marine kingdom spirits. You are opening the door to demonic spirits that are called incubus and succubus spirits. Now, men, if you get a succubus spirit, I'm going to speak to the men because this is the perspective that I can see it from. If you get a succubus spirit that attaches to you, because they will if you continue to open the door to corn or sexual lust, um, then they will begin to torment your wife. They will begin to torment your girlfriend and make that woman absolutely miserable. She may gain weight. She may just quit taking care of herself. She may have a hard time even being nice to you and nag you all the time because that spirit is constantly tormenting her. Now the purpose of this is so that this woman turns into this awful nag right somebody you don't even want to be around all the while in the background you have this demonic spirit whispering to you because this is a spirit wife this is not a joke this is not just a nickname they call them this is because in the spirit this demonic spirit has done a marriage with you in the spirit if you're having dreams of having encounters in your dream and even if you wake up with physical evidence of that encounter and this is continuous they are initiating you into marriage with them you may even feel a ring on your finger you may be being fed by someone in the dream eating food like that in your dream these are signs um, it, you may be underwater or in the water in your dreams these are signs of marine kingdom spirits attacking you and attaching to you and if your wife is being tormented if your wife is not the person she used to be and you know you're participating in these things it could be not because your wife is this awful person and this goes vice versa it can be you know men doing the same thing women doing the same thing but if you know that they have changed and that is not the person they used to be and you know what you're participating in it is very likely that that spiritual wife that you have attached to you that you have let in is tormenting that woman and trying to get her to leave you or you leave her so you're all alone with that demon i tell you what that lady makes a whole lot of sense when i first saw the title of that video i was like what is this and i gave it a listen to but when she started explaining it, i was like okay this makes a lot of sense and see and this is exactly what satan tries to do and I never realized it, but you know what? That makes total sense. The more you try to engage in that nonsense filth, it keeps putting its tentacles around you and keeps whispering in you, keep going, keep going. You don't need your, your earthly wife. That's that's nothing. You You need this. And then eventually what ends up happening is then the destruction of yourself happens, the destruction of your spouse takes place, then the marriage, and then guess what? If there's kids involved, well... Then Satan gets a win on three fronts. He causes you pain and harm. He causes pain and harm. Causes your child pain and harm. And a marriage gets destroyed. Now, we don't have strong families. We can't have strong counties and communities and strong states. We can't have strong assemblies. We can't have good moral people being impaneled on a common law grand jury if we have people engaged in this kind of filth. And again, I'm I'm not here to judge anybody if you're engaged in it because again, I used to be. I know what it can do. I know exactly what it could possibly do.
It's not pleasant. It's not fun. And I know it wasn't pleasant for my wife. But let me tell you something. That's one of the biggest reasons why I think God pushed me to do this podcast here to to testify to that and to explain this to particularly men. And I know this could be an issue with women, too. But let's face facts. Typically, it's men. I'm telling you guys, if you're still actively watching this crap, get away from it. You don't need it. It's fake. It's pseudo. It's nonsense. And quite frankly, you're engaging in a spiritual contract with with Satan himself. Get away from that crap. And here's the other little fact. If you're watching this stuff, I hate to burst your bubble, but most of the quote-unquote women that you're seeing there are probably transgendered with really good surgeons that reverse things or trafficked minors. Think about that for a second. And if they're not a trafficked minor or a transgender flipped, you know, confused individual, let's just say they're legitimately a biological female. Just think about this for a second. That could be your daughter, your sister, your wife, or your aunt, a cousin of yours. Get away from it. You don't need it. Okay, God, God, God claimed you. And what Satan's trying to do is he's trying to, he's trying to take you through one of these vices. Don't let him win. Run to God. Run to Jesus. Last thing I want to play, and I want you to listen to this. I'm sure half of you, if not all of you, have probably heard this at one point. Paul Harvey, if I were the devil, he put this out back in 1965. I want to play it today because it rings very true to today. Let's give it a quick listen before we close this out. If I were the devil, if I were the devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. 
If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline Americans, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Hart exactly it if i were the devil i'd just keep on doing what i'm doing i tell you listening to that and he did that what is it 57 years now i know he did that back in 1965 that was a, a minute ago and let me tell you what those words couldn't be more true today he 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 hit the nail on the head hard and if he saw what was happening today whoo yeah but yeah no he uh he he not only did that but he had many other powerful pieces like Destry was just saying here he had well, another favorite of mine is uh, so god made a farmer that was a good one i like that one Maybe I'll play some more Paul Harvey pieces going forward in the future. But, but yeah, you know, that's what Satan does, though, folks. He does what he can to make us doubt God will follow through his promises, which, again, is a lie. God always follows through with his promises. It may not be in the time frame that, say, we want it to happen, right? But he always follows through. I heard this from a lady in Florida one time. She runs this nonprofit called uh, God's Little Acres. It's down there in South Florida. Her name is Joni. Her and her husband. I forgot her husband's name now. Bob? Yeah, Bob and Joni. Amazing people. Had a criminal history. Great story. Heck, I'd love to have them actually on the show and get their story. Great people. But... um. She said something, and I know other people. So I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it was. Oh, I can't remember. Somebody who is a historical or a, a, a religious. Uh, I don't want to say leader, but someone who's got a big name in, in in the Catholic faith. But she said this, and this is the first time I heard it. She said, "God be late, but he's always on time." 
I was like, wow. I'm like, that's pretty profound. God may be late, but he's always on time. So we got to remember, God always follows through with his promises. And we also need to remember another little device Satan likes to try to use. He tries to belittle God. He tries to lay the claim that God is just like any other God, lowercase g. Which couldn't be further from the truth. We all know the truth about the one true living God. Do not fall for Satan's lies. So, with all that said, I think this is a perfect time to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for wonderful characters, wonderful personalities like Paul Harvey, like our late beloved former president, John F. Kennedy, and just different people like them. People who helped the assembly, Robert Gilman, General Douglas MacArthur, and other historical figures that there's so many that we can't even name. These people are really, truly icons of America, not one that we idolize, but one that we look to in just, just, just an amazement of their wisdom of their time and for trying to help restore this republic. Father, we ask for more people like that to rise up to help not only toward the restoration of this nation, but also to the restoration and the ultimate revival of returning to you, putting eyes to you, because that is the most important thing we need to do before we even become a successful country again, a, a successful nation, a, and you know, a united world. We need to turn to you first. So just keep shining the light in our pathways. Show us how we need to go. Teach us. And we'll keep sowing those seeds and we'll do our best to be our best. And we just ask that you continuously guide our thoughts and our words and our actions. And we just thank you each and every day for that breath of life that you put in us. Oh, and yes, thank you, Tara, for reminding me. And we also wanted to put out a special prayer for the people, for the inhabitants and residents of Buffalo, New York. They are dealing with some very serious emergency right now with looters and people dying from the cold and the snow, and they just can't seem to get catch a break. So we just pray for resolve and, and warm weather to hit that area so they can uh, so they can hopefully have some relief. And we just pray for everybody's safety and good health over there and that hopefully you can help spare any more lives from being lost over there. And we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I have for you guys today on this episode 402. 
And I want to say thank you all for joining us here. And uh, by the way, <clears throat> I made a, I don't want to play it now because it's already a minute and four seconds, uh, an hour and four minutes now into the show, but I made a little sound effect for trolls. So when we get people that want to come in here and be a troll and infiltrate the chat and trying to basically be stupid. Oh boy. I got a nice little troll alert. I just made up here. <laughs> Not that I'm going to wait till tomorrow or Friday. Oh, what the heck? Okay. I'll play it. I'll play it real quick. <laughs> troll alert. Troll alert. I smell a stinky troll. You will be booted out. Your nine senses no longer allowed. It's time for you to learn some digital manners. Adios. Pow. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> You know I had to add the bye, Felicia, at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I did make that in uh, this cheap little program Apple has called GarageBand. I made it on the fly. Literally, you want to know how quickly I made this up? The show started at 7. I started that little project at 6.40. So I, it took me like 10 minutes to put together. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it was something I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make something up. I don't know. Just, I, I like doing stupid stuff like that. Cause you know, I'm a little bit retarded like that, but, um, Oh, and you know what? Real quick on a whole serious note, I do got to say this. I do have to say this. So real quick, I can't let this go tonight without saying this. So, cause tomorrow, let's see, tomorrow's Thursday. Tomorrow's podcast free Thursday. I do have to say this. So one of our neighbors, she posted real quick. I have to read this real quick. She posted on her Facebook and I, ugh, this makes me so angry for her. So she said this, I'll just say this. I'm going to keep her name out of it. Of course. Um, she's got two sons and one of them is autistic. She says, I was in a situation today that I thought I would never be in. And my mama bear heart completely broke. And I also wanted to fight someone and I don't blame her because I would want to also she said, today after I picked up, um, I'm, I'm not going to say her son's name, but after I picked up my son up from ABA, because again, he's autistic, him and I had to do a quick run to Hobby Lobby to grab something. While standing in line, there was a middle-aged woman behind us with a cart full of glittery large snowflake decor. And my son thought it was very pretty since he likes shiny things. And he kept pointing at it saying, Ooh, pretty and repeating himself over and over since that's what he does being autistic. And yes, we are working on, uh, on him with repetitive stuff. But anyways, this lady literally looked at me and told me to tell my child to shut up and he's being annoying and to stop talking over and over. I didn't even know what to say or do. And so I kindly responded and I apologize, but he is autistic and doesn't get the concept of only having to say something one time. Sometimes she looked me dead in my eyes and said, quote, those are the ones God should have never created. They are messed up and have no hope. End quote. I didn't even know what to say. I was so dumbfounded. I just turned around and tried to keep my tears in. 
My child is amazing. My child is not a mistake. God made him just the way God intended him to be. I pray for people in this world that can't open their eyes to differences between others. And I pray for softened hearts and kinder hearts. I am still completely in shock. And I can promise you, my son will never, ever feel like he is a useless person. And there's a little bit more, but the screenshot kind of covered it up. But you get the gist of it. I couldn't believe that when I heard that. Pissed me off when I heard that for her. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And he's such a handsome little boy. He's a good boy. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's right. And he's only two years old. <laughs> I tell you. Oh, you don't have to say sorry to me, um, Maga Grandma. And it's, it wasn't my son. It was a neighbor of mine. But man, I tell you what, it pissed me off as if it was mine. If, if he was, you know, if he was my son, that, that was just, I could not believe it. But yeah, you know, and I was having this conversation with my wife I, uh, some time ago. I was saying, you know, it's no wonder these demons want to do away with people who are autistic, autistic, excuse me. I said, because have you ever looked at the eyes of someone who is autistic? They have such a sweet face. You could look in their eyes and really literally almost as it, it almost seems as if it's God or Jesus looking at you. They have such a purity in them. You know, and it's probably no wonder that these little demons and Satanists want to do away with autistic babies. Anyway, I didn't mean to end it on that note, but I did not want to let the, the night go without reading that. So let's pray for people like that. As hard as it is, I know we do have to pray for these kind of people. Remember, we're not perfect either. But then again, we would never say something so horrific about, you know, a sweet, innocent little boy. So let's pray for these people. And let's pray that this division can finally go away and we can actually get true unity in our nation again. Because that's what we need in order to assemble our states and to become a United States of America. And again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, congratulations to Illinois for being the 16th state assembled. God bless, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us here at His Our Line. And remember... We are firm and we are steadfast and we are uncompromising. We won't allow the enemy to keep crossing over this threshold. Hold the line, patriots. Hold that line. They will not win. And we got to remember what Joshua 1.9 says. I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have a good night. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at in the world, and we'll see you back here on Friday morning. God bless. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion. 
And if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in here at His Heart Line. Really appreciate you. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family. Just copy the link, shoot it via text. You could share it on social media. I don't care if you got to put it up in smoke signals. Just get it out there. And don't forget to check out the website, www.hisheartline.com. And join us here every single day. We operate six out of the seven days a week. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget, don't forget. Sovereignty itself is, of course, not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. We'll see you back here next time.